Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. Happy 10 years to all of you and to you. And before we get started, Shauna, thank you. You've been a part of every moment of this journey, cheering me on, playing your part here, raising our kids, and um, wow. Have you ever had one of those conversations that really becomes this defining moment for the rest of your life? Can you think of a few of those that you've had? Well, in November 2008, you and I had one of those conversations that, let's be honest, has changed everything about the last decade of our lives and maybe even a few other people's lives as well. Do you, please say you remember that conversation. I remember. I think you uh, had just come in the door and I'm thinking it's going to be a conversation about the weather or how the day has been. I remember being in our bedroom and you presenting this idea that literally has changed the entire course of our lives. It has. And initially the idea was, like, are we supposed to go start a new church anywhere? So that was, it was a very general question, but it was huge for us. We were both 31 years old at the time, just babies. 31 at the time. Um, We had three sons, ages one, three, and five during that conversation. And um, I had a great job at a large, well-established church. We had a great house. We had, we had a, a brand yard. new house. I think it was a pool in the neighborhood. I'm not sure why we ever <laughs> left. Oh, yes, I am. I'm going to tell you about that as we talk about the launch today. But it really was, is God leading us to start a church? And we got clarity. We thought, like, that's crazy, but yes. But we weren't exactly thinking of the same location, were we? No, which happens a lot in marriage. We tend to bring two opposites together, um, but it works. You're right. And before I get to what coast we each were thinking of, there were so many moments of asking each other questions and looking at each other like, are we really sure this is what God has for us? But we, we kept being an open door. But yes, I was really thinking I was hearing God say East Coast. Obviously, I won because we've now lived on the West Coast for well over a decade now, but we, yeah, we just began to think about where God was leading us to start the church. Um, and this might sound odd to you, but more important than where we were going to start this church is who we were going to start this church with. I mean, you can have the greatest job in the best location, but if you're not surrounded with a team of people that you can stand shoulder to shoulder and lead out with, it, it, it's missing something. So the who was more important than the where. You're right. And I think as we look back, it's been the best foundation 
of our, of our church. But the first people to join our team were actually our three little boys. And I know that sounds a little bit odd, but you know what? Ben and I knew that if this call was from God, it did not just involve the two adults in our house. It involved our three kids. And from those early days, they were a part of the conversations. They were a part of the bedtime prayers. They were a part of the process. Yeah, and because there were more of them than there were of us, we did not give them a vote. No democracy in the Pilgrim household. But beyond our three boys, we care deeply about getting the right team around us. Um, much like businesses, around 80% of new churches don't make it after five years, and we wanted to guard against that. And so you and I began to think, who are the kinds of men and women that um, we share a similar ministry philosophy with, that might be willing to do this crazy adventure. And so we pursued conversations, inviting three couples to join us in this great adventure, Lindsay and Ben Lee, that many of you know, uh, Brad and Mary Keel and Tim and Kristen Milner. And eventually, we persuaded them, and God worked in their hearts so that they said yes, even though I only promised Brad, Tim, and Lindsay each $1,000 a month. Not a lot of money. So we got locked in that God was leading us to the Bay Area. We were it just It was coming up in visions. It was coming up in our research. When we would call other cities, they wouldn't answer the phone. Thankfully, someone answered the phone here. And so we thought it's going to be the San Francisco Bay Area, but we really assumed it would be uh, somewhere outside of the city. And there were lots of areas in the Bay Area that were not in San Francisco. And, and so November 30th, 2008, we started writing a 50-day prayer guide. And the three couples at the time, the Pilgreens, the Lees, and the Milners, we would write a prayer guide every week. And on day 50, January 18, 2009, the six of us from three different states flew to San Francisco. We only had four days because that's all we could afford, and that's all the childcare we could get back then. And uh, we, I don't know if I would encourage you to do this if you're going to launch something new, but we asked God on that first trip, my first ever. <laughs> Why did we do this? Ever time to step foot in the Bay Area, we asked God, hey, in these four days, would you show us where we're supposed to move our young family to and where we're supposed to start this church? But again, we didn't have a lot of money, so the six of us stayed in one hotel room. We didn't have a lot of money, but we did know how to pray some really crazy prayers. Yes, I do not recall the name of that hotel down by the airport, but it will forever be Hotel Six because there were six adults that shared one hotel room Two beds. Stop judging us. We were poor <laughs> church planters with just a vision to come help you. But we tell that and more stories, as Dan has mentioned, uh, this Wednesday on Facebook Live at 5 p.m. It's called Stories from the Start, and it is the founding families telling this and so many more stories. And so we spent a day in the South Bay, in the East Bay, North Bay, I believe, and then one day in the city, and our day in the city was really meant just to be a tourist day. No way were we going to move from a suburb in the Midwest into the city of San Francisco unless God called us to, which he did. It actually became really clear and really scary at the same time that God made it obvious to the six of us on that trip that not only was he calling us to start a church in the city of San Francisco, um, but even more surprising, I think, that we would start this church in downtown in the Soma neighborhood of San Francisco. So that was crazy. So we fly back home. And when we fly back home to the Midwest, we've got 16 months between that initial trip and when we were going to move here. But here's something we learned then, and we've learned a lot since, and something you need to learn if you're going to launch something new. Anytime God calls you to step into something new, you must be willing to leave what is familiar to you. 
That's what's keeping some of you from being able to walk away from what's familiar to you right now. It's just so familiar. And so, Shauna, speaking of walking away from the familiar, what were some of the things that, as we headed home, had 16 months, you're raising these kids, we're raising them together, I'm not a deadbeat dad, Um, but what were you thinking about as we thought about leaving what was familiar to us? Yeah, I'm glad we had 16 months because everything was going to change. I remember we just had, we had to downsize. We had to sell furniture and decide what to keep and what not to keep. I even remember, it's coming to me right now, we decided to hold on to a lot of the boys' toys because we thought we might need these in the Epic Nursery one day. But no, we, we sold a lot of things. We, uh, I was spending a lot of time figuring out where to live in the city. I was figuring out the school system, and you parents know what beast that is. Uh, we're, I was figuring out, like, we had two cars. Do we keep any of them? Do we just do public transit? There was a lot of things to figure out. And while she was thinking about how she was going to raise these kids, how we were going to raise these kids in the city, I was developing a plan, thinking about how are we going to raise enough money so that we could live in the city and get this church off the ground in the city. And so I was driving places, I was flying places, meeting with church leaders, lots of individuals, and over time, pretty incredible, but hundreds of individuals and more than 20 churches gave collectively over $1 million for Epic Church to be able to get off the ground. And then we came. We moved here. And that summer, the kids weren't in school, and like I said, we're trying to get this, you said, we're trying to get the church off the ground. I thought, okay, left to my introverted self, I would cocoon in the apartment. Instead, we wrote 31 days of what we were going to do for 31 days in the city. And so it was things like getting a library card, learning the name of the barista, buying produce at the farmer's market, although I think that took our whole first week's paycheck. Probably. Um, but figuring out the city, figuring out how we were going to live here. And I don't know, maybe even us recalling our story is causing you to even think about the time when you moved to the city. And so she's working that family plan, and I'm beginning to meet with our staff team, mostly at Panera Bread, corner of 4th and King, for those of you who are familiar. And we're like, okay, if we're going to have a church, we've got to have a building to meet in, at least on Sundays. And so we began to go see any place in Soma that we thought possibly could hold this brand new church. We saw places, but some places were way too expensive. Some places they're like, a church here? I don't think so. Some places they're like, you can have it two weeks a year. And we're like, we need it for 52 weeks a year. And some places were just so crazy. Um, Ask Lindsay and I sometime to tell you guys about our visit to the supper club. Some of you feeling guilty because you've been there, not on a Sunday, but we'll let that go. And so finally, there's an afternoon where we are feeling, I'll just speak for myself, I'm feeling dejected. I mean, it's one thing to get turned down a couple times when you hear, no, no, I don't think so, I, you can't afford it. You're just like, will we ever have a place to meet as a church? But someone on our team one afternoon said, why don't we walk into the W? I didn't have a whole lot of hope, to be honest. I was not a high faith guy that afternoon. But we walked in, and uh, lo and behold, God had, we think, a person of peace um, named Mark there. And uh, Mark, as the salesperson at the W, ended up offering us the opportunity for our church to meet there. And so we locked that in. And then October 10th, really 100 days after all of us moved to San Francisco, we held our first preview service. And um, we did five of those before we launched the church. And between each preview service, what we would do 
is hold comeback events. So we uh, rented out the bowling lanes at Yerba Buena, just right across the street from where Epic is now. Um, we did a movie and dinner night at the Westfield, again, just right across the street from where Epic is now. Um, we held a Christmas party. And so what would happen is people would come to preview service, and they would come to this comeback event. They would, we would say, hey, would you be willing to join us and come onto this launch team to help us get this church started? And so by the time we launched the church, there were 45 adults and about 15 kids that were on that launch team. And we did launch the church, if you weren't aware. We launched Epic Church on February 13th, 2011, at the W Hotel at the corner of 3rd and Howard. And I do not know how this happened, but Somehow, 196 people showed up to that launch day. Anything stand out to you about that day? Yes, the countless hours that were poured in to this one day, it really was faith being made sight. You think about um, the sleepless nights, the, you know, go back to the questions that we were having back in our house in Missouri, and our faith was made sight that day, and God was so good to show up and just affirmation that he has intended all along for a church to be in this city. I, a few things stand out, actually. I think of the volunteers that showed up that day from churches in the Bay Area to help us host and greet and be in the baby room and uh, hand out programs. I think of the text and the phone calls we got throughout the day of people all around the country that were praying for Epic Church. Two crazy stories stand out to me. Um, Mary Rickles, so she is still in our church, but she was in our church uh, back then. And she, if I recall, she designed the uh, the logo or the theme for this, the first series she did. The launch series, yes. It it's was called, called Perfect My, Life, per- My Perfect Life. Life. And I, I can remember exactly how it looked. It was black and white. And I think she just, she did Prepare the way. Yeah, just right? last month, which is pretty incredible. How awesome that, that this amazing, talented woman was a part of our church back then and is still doing the very thing 10 years, 10 years later. Another crazy story stands out, and um, our friend Hannah Collins, she was Hannah Hooper back then, but she flew out here to be a help at that very first launch service, not knowing that 10 years later she would call San Francisco home with her husband and her little girl. Yeah, and she's actually leading a small group for married couples um, that starts this week, which is, it's amazing what God has done over these 10 years. And Sean and I, we, we love the launch story of Epic, especially this side of it. Would you agree? Yes. Like, when it was happening, like, is this going to work? But we love the story. We recall this fondly. We think about our kids who are now teenagers, and we've added, uh, many of you know, we've added a daughter to the mix, and, and all four of our kids are teenagers, and we've seen them grow, and they recall these memories with us. We love Epic's launch story, but here's what I want you to know. There's a good chance that for your life in this next season, God wants to launch something new. It could be a new business or a new uh, career. It could be uh, some new area where you start serving. It could be something with your health or with relationships or issues of injustice in our city or in our world. I don't know what it is, but there's a really good chance God might want to launch something in your life um, right now. And when I think about how, how launching new things works, here's what I want to say to you that we've learned. God puts new things on our hearts because there's something new that he wants to get done in the world. So when God put this vision of starting a church in San Francisco on our hearts, it wasn't like he was like, 
Ben looks kind of bored. I'm going to give him this crazy thing to go do in this city that moves fast. No, no, no. I mean, I do get kind of bored when I'm not involved in something that's moving quickly. But God's like, hey, I want to do something new. So I'm going to put this call on the lives of a group of people to start Epic Church because he wanted to do something new. I said when I began this message that there are certain conversations that become defining moments. And we really love the conversation that became a defining moment that was held between God and Moses. You may know it as the burning bush experience that Moses had, but there's a conversation. And this conversation between God and Moses, it doesn't just become a defining moment for Moses. It becomes a defining moment literally for millions of people and for Jews everywhere. Even Jesus would point back to this significant moment. It changed everything. So read that to us, that conversation that God has with Moses about launching something new, and let's discover how the pattern works for our lives. Yes, I'll pick up the story in Exodus 3, verses 7 through 10. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And what you see between God and Moses is still how it works between God and us when we have these defining moment conversations. The reason I have a purpose is because God has a purpose. The reason Shauna has a purpose and Epic Church has a purpose and you have a purpose is because God has a purpose. We typically go with this as the first question. What is God's purpose for my life? But that's premature. That's a second or third question. The first question is simply this. What is God's purpose? Question mark. What is God up to? What does he want to do? Because before he taps on Moses' shoulder, before he taps on your shoulder, before he speaks to my heart and calls me into something, he has something he wants to get done in the world. And I'm curious, what is God putting on your heart? Because he has a purpose, something that he wants to accomplish in our world. I love this. In the text, before God even gets Moses involved, what does he do? He sees the people oppressed. He hears their cries, and he wants to do something about it. Oftentimes, we get caught up in our story and what God's going to do in us and how he's going to use us, and that's all important. But the reason he gets us involved is because he has heard the cries of people. He sees the oppression, and he chooses to use us. This humbles me so much because it reminds us again of our story. God might have gotten our attention in Missouri, but it's because he saw people here in San Francisco. So God is getting the attention of Moses, but it's because he saw what was happening to his people. And what does he do? Yes, he sends Moses, 
But in all of this, God is an active God. He is always at work. So while he might be getting your attention, you can count on it that he is busy and at work in other people's lives. It's just we're seeing the intersection here of God bringing Moses close. Because when God was hearing the cries of his people, what was Moses up to? He was tending sheep. He wasn't even nearby to hear the cries. But God gets involved because he wants to bring us close. So here's the principle. If you're supposed to launch something new in this next season, it's because God wants to get something done in the world. Let me say that again. If you, yeah, you, if you're, if you're feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to start something new, it might be significant in the world's eyes. It might not be. It might be something that's for public viewing or it might be something that no one ever sees. But if you're supposed to launch something new in this next season, it's because God wants to get something done in the world. And if you keep moving along in the text in verse 11, Moses asks God a question. It is a question that we've all asked, at least in some form before. God's like, go do this, Moses. Here's what I'm about. Here's what I'm launching through your life. And you know what Moses does? He asks the question that you're probably prone to ask and I'm prone to ask. Here it is on the screen. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who who am I? There's some version of that question because first we're like, yes, God, we hear your vision to start this church in San Francisco, but then you begin to think about your qualifications. Anybody ever been there before? Like, I'm supposed to do what? Like, I don't have that in me. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the spiritual life. I don't have the experience. I don't know what it's like to launch something that has never existed before. So Moses goes, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And God doesn't prop him up. He doesn't go, hey, Moses, you're amazing. He doesn't go, Moses, I've got confidence in you. Moses, you're up to the task. Moses, just trust your gut and go to Pharaoh. He doesn't do any of that. So here's Moses going, who am I? And God says, I will be with you. And Shauna, you know this. There have been so many times where we're like, wait a minute, we're gonna try to get a new space. What? Wait a minute, we're going to go adopt a girl from India, huh? Wait a minute, we're going to go out on a limb and hire that staff member when we're not sure how we're gonna pay for it. Wait a minute, well, how do we shift and move? And God, how are you going to do this? And we're so tempted in those moments to ask the who am I question, who are we? And God's like, I wanna do this through you. So over the last 10 years, we've seen God do things that we could have never done on our own, whether it's adoption, whether it's getting into spaces, becoming a sustainable church, Shauna becoming a published author, the opportunities that we're getting now, the opportunities for amazing housing miracles that our staff team and others of you have seen. It's incredible that when God calls us to something, he's not saying this is all on your shoulders. He's saying what? I will be with you. And haven't we seen him present all along the way for years and years and years? So we've told you about Epic's launch story, and we've told you about, you know, God might be launching something in your life, but if he is, there are three groups that we think, all starting this week, that would be really great depending on what type of thing it's time to launch in your life. So I'll start with the first one. You know, it's dear to my heart. I do. But the Alpha course uh, begins this week. We have a group that will meet on Tuesday nights and another group that will meet on Thursday nights. If you do not identify as a Christian, or you have someone in your life that does not identify as a Christian, or you've been leaning into these services and and participating in the Epic community for a while, I want to invite you to join the Alpha Group. It is, every single week, it's a different question, and it is a place, to me, it's the safest place I know to bring your concerns, your questions, your doubts, your, your past to this group, and every week we discuss a different question, from who is Jesus to why should I read the Bible, how do I pray, what's, what's my purpose in life, and uh, together we walk through these. 
And some of you, you know that God's calling you to get more rooted in your faith and even more rooted in the city of San Francisco. And our friends Ken and Kelly McCord are leading a group called Rooted for the Spring. And I love this because this was a family that helped our family get rooted in San Francisco 10 years ago because they had been here for around 10 years at the time. And so they're going to talk to you about how do you do that here in the city, but even more important, how do you do that within a two-mile radius of where you live? And so if that's your next step, that would be a fantastic group to join. And then I have spent the last two years developing curriculum that is called the Bring It Out course, because I have this deep belief and passion that whatever God puts in you, he wants to bring out of you. And so the Bring It Out course, there's one offering on Tuesday mornings and then another on Tuesday nights. And it's my attempt to help close the gap between the vision God's given you and the reality you find yourself in today. It's an 11-week course, and we'd love for you to participate in either of those, as well as any of the other amazing group options that we have right now. You know, when I think about our launch story, like walking the sidewalks in this neighborhood, God, would you send the next person? (laughs) Would you send the first person? God, would you give us the space? God, would anybody show up? And then I think about the people in our church who God's stirring in your heart. He's wanting you to launch something in your individual life. I now want to turn our attention to something that God's asking, I think, us to do collectively. And that is to be part of the re-launch team. And I know many of you weren't here when we began this thing, though some of you are, which is super cool to me. I want you to think about the fact that 45 adults and 15 kids were willing to be on that original launch team. And, And now they paved the way for hundreds of us. Before COVID, 750 people showing up every single week for hundreds of us to sit in this healthy, thriving church. And I wonder if they paved the way for us, what would happen if hundreds of us, even in this moment, collectively decide that we're going to be part of the relaunch team to pave the way for the second decade of Epic's existence and for the thousands of people who aren't here yet, but will be one day. I've got to be honest, when we launched the church, I didn't know if it would work. But I never thought we would have to relaunch the church due to a global pandemic that will keep us from meeting for well over a year. But I'm in. And I'm curious if you are in. During a launch phase of something like starting a church, you either have to get comfortable making the big ask or you've got to bow out. Because God had given me such a passionate vision for starting Epic Church, I got comfortable making the big ask. This past Tuesday night, Lindsay Lee and I were on a Zoom call with our partners in Vietnam, and we knew that they were going to pitch us about some new ministry initiative, and we love these people, and we're going to say yes for sure. And when Pastor Tuan began to pitch it, here's what he said. He said, Ben, you've taught us to make the big ask, so we are making the big ask. I was like, be careful how you pronounce that, but I understand what you're saying. Um, And so I'm making the big ask of you now. Come give your life to something meaningful. We don't know all the details, but come be a part of relaunching this church. Imagine the strength, the vibrancy, the kind of community that we could have ready as those replacement groups. They are going to come back to the city. The city is not dead. The city is not gone. People are going to return. Many people are still present. And will we make a commitment that when they show up, we will have this incredibly healthy environment waiting for them, whether they're eight years old or 80 years old and everywhere in between, because we know that God is going to do more in the second decade, even than we believe he did in the first. Absolutely. 
So Ben and I are asking you to bring your yes to the table. We took a stroll down memory lane this week and walked all over the city recounting, oh, just gobs of memories. And uh, if I can just take you back one more time to those launch, those launch team days back in our apartment on King Street and the 45 plus of us that were sitting in that living room. And Ben, I think it was more, we were more uncertain then on how this was going to go than For we sure. are even now. Even sitting in this room, I, I can envision the, the young adults, dozens of them sitting over to that side and, and I can hear the children running through the lobby and thinking of your, your spouses being baptized here and the, the parents and your adult children and your friends that you introduce us to in the lobby on Sundays. Because the reason I say it was more uncertain then is because we couldn't see you. I'm looking into this camera right now and your faces come to mind. We see you. You were worth it then and you are worth it now. So wherever you're watching this today, you need to know that. We know it's been hard. Mm. We know it's been hard. It's been hard for us too. Yes. But our yes is still on the table. Mm. And I think about uh, one of those songs, I think Brad uh, mentioned it, uh, greater things are still mm. to be done in this city. And I know there's been moments where I have sung that song and it's been a hard week in this city. Mm. But God is the one who's been faithful, and he is not going to stop. Just as you are worth it for us, he's been worth it all this time. And just as he has laid down his life for us, we are called to do the very same thing for the people in this city. So we're asking you to hold on. We're asking you to not give up. Don't lose heart. Those are just Jesus principles in the New Testament. So bring your yes and hold on with us. We really do believe that greater things are still to be done in this city as we relaunch Epic Church. Will you pray with me now? God Almighty, only you right now can be in every place where people are watching this service. And God, it is only by your Holy Spirit that you can encourage every discouraged heart. You can make your presence known to every lonely person. You can restore anything that's been broken. You can heal anyone who is sick. The same spirit that lives in us is the same spirit that resurrected your son, Jesus. So God, it is, it is because of who you are and who you have been as we recall stories that we are asking you to continue your faithfulness in us and in this city. God, I am just playing a small part in what you're doing here in this city. But God, I believe that all of us together you have something great you want to do here. Because even though we can't always see what you're up to, we're encouraged by the story in Exodus that you are actively involved in our lives and you are just as much involved in the lives of, this, of the people in the city and this community. 
So God, I, I pray that you would allow faith to be made sight. I pray that the days would be short before we are all gathered back again. God, but until that day comes, would you encourage our hearts? Would you strengthen this church all for your name and your glory? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.